It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone. Podcasts were made for Saturdays. We all download them all week long just to wait for this one single day. The day of our Lord. Yes. The Sabbath of podcasts. Every yes. Week. Mm-hmm. God, pretty much, he worked all week and then was like, hey, let me download some podcasts. It's the Saturday Friends Club. This is what I'm going with this week. We, this it, it changes every time and it's still not good. No. No. <laughs> It's almost like the stuff we watch. I like we, we're going to preface this with like, oh man, we got a load of shit for you this week, audience. <laughs> it's going to be good. Oh yeah, and this, this is, is a weekly the week podcast. of mediocre. Yeah. Yep. This okay. week was, uh, everybody thought they were bringing bangers. <laughs> I don't think, no. They turned out to be no, the no, opposite. No, 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 no. I, 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 tr- I, I do trust Mags as like a taste anything. I know, I know the purpose of us watching this movie. Okay, well, I thought it was going to be... Okay, all right. So, spoilers, it was my choice, and I apologize. Okay. I was so giving you an out there. We're going horrifically off the rails. I'm Josh. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Eric. I'm Martin. I'm Mag. All and right. this is my fault. Yeah. It is your fault. <laughs> welcome, welcome to my apology. We... <laughs> How dare you, Max? Hi, this will be a 45-minute-long apology on behalf of uh, for, my, for our listeners and for my colleagues. I, I'm uh, so sorry. So what we do is we get together on Saturdays and mm-hmm. we talk about stuff that we've watched that are from our childhood or stuff that we always wanted to watch or things we needed to watch or, I don't know, <laughs> stuff that we never wanted to watch but wanted to harm ourselves. Or or stuff like Cool as Ice. Where- or... Everyone, everyone in America should see this. Absolutely. Or stuff where we wanted to just harm our friends because we care about our friends, but in the most twisted of ways. And when we're not talking about Razik's Roughnecks, we're talking about... <laughs> or uh, whatever the hell that Sonic thing was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mags, what did you bring for us today? Um, I brought to you a, a, a Don Bluth classic. <gasps> um, it's called Rockadoodle, and it's... Worse than I remember, but not bad enough to be funny. Oh, thank, oh. thank you very much. So what's your history with Rockadoodle? Um, we had the VHS of it. For some reason, we had a lot of the later and less good Don Bluth movies. <laughs> your, your, your like VHS shelf at your home is like, oh, what movies do you have? Like, what? It's like <laughs> Rockadoodle. All, all of the bad ones. The yes. Pebble and the Penguin, Anastasia. Oh, I love Don Bluth movies. <laughs> <laughs> They're such a mark of quality. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we had All Dogs Go to Heaven, we had this, we had Thumbelina, which is the next one after, which I think 94, Rockadoodle's 91, um, uh, and all of those mark, that's a downward pattern, if you hadn't noticed. I think it just was, like, this just must have been the, just the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I think early 90s animation, like in late 80s animation, wasn't great. It wasn't Disney, I think. Yeah. Well, the Disney, the Renaissance hadn't come yet, we were stuck in the Dark Ages, or, Yeah. Something. We're slowly clawing our way out, but experiencing all the pain. In the yeah, process. anyway, like, I loved movie musicals as a kid. Um, I lived in the South. This was a movie that took place in the South, but wasn't about banjos or, uh, yeah, it was took place in Tennessee. <laughs> I, wasn't oh, murder, I, and wasn't banjos or, you know. Murder, yep, rape. Yep, yeah. Yeah, you know, women getting beaten. Like, it was a lighthearted tale about people who happened to live in the South, and it wasn't like, oh, look at your terrible heritage or whatever. So, it's, like, it was. Pretty, I guess yeah. it is supposed to be Nashville. I think it's supposed to be Memphis, actually. Oh, Memphis. Uh, oh. Nashville's a country music town. Um, uh, it's bigger now. Now, if you're going to do the movie again today, it would be Nashville, definitely. But I think it's supposed to be Memphis. Which oh, yeah, we the, should. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. The next version of Rockadoodle, Rockadoodle Two, rocking all night long. Stop! Please don't hurt me like that. <laughs> Rockadoodle Two, Electric Boogaloo. All right, all right. That's 
It's, okay. it's, it's, it's it had the, to be said. It, it happens that Sean Clair is now into EDM, so. Oh my god! <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a sun. He's now a SoundCloud rapper. Oh my god! No, I like the fact that like I like the EDM DJ, and I like I want him to be bad at it. I want it to be like uh, Mike Posner's "I Took a Pill in Ibiza" the movie. And he actually does Eurobeat on the side. Yeah, that's that's what Eurobeat sounds like. Okay. Uh, that was a joke for this crap. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I watched a lot of the kid and I really liked it. Um I liked movies with animals in it. I liked movies with talking animals in them. Um uh, I, I think this is also like this came out just shortly after Who Killed Roger Rabbit. And so like it was cool that it did both live action and cartooning. Um and I was too young to make uh, good judgment calls. <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those this is one of those movies you go back and like, did I just like did I suffer some brain trauma as a child that I'm not? I got better after. <laughs> Why did I like this? Was it? Yeah, because Kristen Shaw said, "Like, like, did I have reverse flowers for Eldernon syndrome <laughs> as a child?" <laughs> That's just being a child. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So, which of us had seen Rockadoodle previously? Never. Just, Eric had not. Yeah. I had. So I forget if I've seen it in my childhood, but as of a few years ago, Sabrina and I watched it. <laughs> Sabrina, who is not here today because she's working on art and doesn't want to be friends. Um, but uh, <laughs> she's creating. She's in there. She she's got a little beret and like. We bought her a striped turtleneck and things went awry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she also has a couple of bongos. <laughs> That she's, she's become, just smoking long cigarettes. Saying, like have you sure she's, she's just become Yoko? Request <laughs> <laughs> um, to beat Nick. Number six. Number so, six. Um, I had seen it, um, and we had seen it semi-recently, as in like a few years ago. Um, so when I saw Rockadoodle, I was like, oh boy, this thing again. Um, <laughs> to which I was just like, yep, okay. But this time I actually like had to sit and retain more information about Rockadoodle beyond just like, letting it escape my brain. Like, this time I was forced to actually learn from my lesson. Thanks, Mags. You're uh, welcome. We have grown as people. <laughs> have we? We are all better for having seen this in that Introspection we are Introspection is usually good. We, we can now, at any, like, dinner party that someone mentions Don Bluth, go, Oh, get ready, motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell I you got the, a story to tell you. Let me tell you the tragic tale of Rockadoodle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, okay, so I had seen it a little bit, um, so I think at that, do we have any other things we want to say? Mag's first, first statement before we get down to the knit and gritty I, crazy plot of this here rockadoodle? I would just say that, like, I think we had this, we had this discussion before the episode, but, like, we're, we're, this is, you know, this is a safe place, we're not here to pass judgment on anyone except Martin, um, <laughs> And I, I think it's this... not like I came in and said hi. Let me talk about this no. childhood movie that I really love that is still good. No, Ma Mags, not... Mags is doing. <laughs> Martin's okay. <laughs> Martin's dead. Martin died. <laughs> uh, Martin, we only hurt you because we love you. Yeah. No, it's that's not how true. It <laughs> that's how it works. You're not my real dad. <laughs> You're not my um, real friend. No, I believe this. This was imp this is important. I think because like Don Bluth was 80s was knocking out of the park, and like people have talked about the kind of downslope of Don Bluth. And I would argue that All Dogs Go to Heaven was flawed. And it, it, it's basically like, okay, you know, that could have just been an outlier. But this is this is the movie that proves, this is the second data point that's just sloping downwards very rapidly. Yeah, and this mm -hmm. was actually the one that started the actual, like, 
um, bankruptcy of the second Bluth Studios. Ooh, wow. He had bankrupted once before, uh, right after, what was it? The, what was the video game that he helped out with? Oh, uh, uh, Dragon's Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because uh, the company that did Dragon Slayer was involved in the entire like video game uh, crash that happened, so they weren't paying, so their studio went under. And then this movie happened, didn't perform to expectations. Yeah, and- just as a spoiler alert, they cost $18 million <laughs> to make, and Box Office brought back $11.7 million. Oof. And remember, Box does not include marketing, so... Well, also, like, $18 million in 1990... Or ninety one, I guess. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a big. That's a big budge. Yeah. Well, they were like they were scoping out this big Irish studio around the same time. I mean, there's a lot going on. They had um, at their maximum, I think they had three hundred people in that studio. Wow. Like they were going big. All right. So how about we get down to it? Let's go ahead and talk about farm animals. Let's talk about uh, some Elvis style singing. Let's talk about some flawed sex theology. Flawed theology. Um, some <laughs> sexy looking bird lady. Oh, oh God, ah. Josh, I'm glad, I'm glad you have gonna bre- I was wanted to break the ice on this one because we need to have a talk about this movie and how hot it is. Yeah, there is some <laughs> serious objectification going on. Big objects. This, this, this movie. This movie is too horny for a oh, kids movie. Yeah, this yeah. is like like this is Don Bluth's thirstiest movie by far. It's it's time to talk about Rockadoodle. <laughs> Would you like to know a little bit about Rockadoodle? No. Sure. The C one person said yes, so we got to go <laughs> forward on this episode. Rockadoodle is a 1991 live action animated musical comedy film based on the Edmund Roslin comedy Ch- Chanclair. Oh, I think it's also Chanticleer. Chanticleer. Okay, cool. I always was having a really bad time, like going like Chant. What a weird name, but okay. It's it's it's, Chant- it's Chanticleer, who's the talking rooster in the Canterbury Tales. If you've read that very oh. old story. That's an old story. It's a very old one. Older than any of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is truthful. It, it to the any most... of us by 800 years. Yeah. Yep. Older than all of us combined. But that, mo- that also has a singing rooster in it in, in the, the tale of Chanticleer, and they've borrowed that for this name for some reason. Does it include a small boy that gets turned into a cat? No, but uh, no, but there are buttholes in it. Okay, good. Yeah. Exactly what I was going after. Uh, you, this was... If, you ever, if you're wondering that comedy used to be more elevated, it wasn't. I mean, like, as we said, animation has gone downhill, you know, in the past few years. Everything's influenced by CalArts. Oh, here we great, go. Great for the next Josh, few episodes Josh, to talk about that Josh. one. Oh, boy. Uh, cut, this... cut his mic. <laughs> oh, no, wait. He, I rant... control the board. You can't stop me. <laughs> Max, there's there's a ranta brewing. Yeah. Save us, Mags. Uh, this was directed by Don Bluth and written by David in West. Rockadoodle is an Irish-British-American adventure produced by Sullivan Bluth Studios and Goldcrest Film. What the <laughs> hell are the Irish doing making a story like As this? As said, like they they took their production studio out of um, the SoCal up to Ireland because of the tax status. God. They specifically did it because of that. 
Wow. They were like, hey, we can get cheaper taxes up here. And they actually started making like a studio that would train people in the U.S. and then send them to Ireland. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> the Irish Tiger, but the smaller, older version. <laughs> <laughs> the film features the voices of a bunch of people. I'm not going to read and name and it's got, butcher their name. It has Christopher Plummer in it, which it is kind of cool. Sure does, Glenn No, they Campbell. do have some really good voice actors here, and like Don mm-hmm. Bluth knew some really talented actors. Yep, Phil yeah. Harris, Charles Nelson Riley. Phil Sorrel Harris's Bro- last role, bless his soul. Yes, final role before his retirement and death. Uh, Sorrel Brooks, Sandy Duncan, Eddie Dezen, Deason. Say, I told you I'd massacre, I'd massacre some of these. Ellen Green and Toby Scott Ganger. Ganger, Granger, whatever. Uh, the film was released in the United Kingdom on the 2nd of August, 1991, in the United States and Canada on the 3rd of April, 1992. It takes place in the 1950s Midwest Tennessee, where an anthropomorphic rooster named Chanticleer, whose special crow literally causes the sun to rise every morning, except for the one morning it doesn't for some unknown reason, uh, left the farm to become a rock star in the city. Without him, rain continues to pour nonstop, causing a massive flood all over the county. The evil Grand Duke of Owls and his Birds of Prey henchmen take over the darkness. Chanticleer's barnyard friends, along with Edmund, a young human boy who has been transformed into a kitten by the Duke, take off on the mission to get Chanticleer to bring back the sun and save the country. Okay, so if listeners, if you are confused by that, we saw the movie and we're also confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, nice. li- the link. This movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie. Like, I, I, I think there's a tidbit here. I, I want to. I think we should get this out at the top. Is they did this. They made this movie, and then they had the pre-screening cut, and the audience couldn't figure out what was going on. It's like, okay, we better add in a really annoying like narration. The, I thought the narrator was fine. <laughs> the fine the narrator is fine, but it's like it was it was a weird way to experience an already weird movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Like this movie is not, I think, in any way sure where it wants to go. <laughs> like it's all right. So like there's it's like they made a movie. And they were like, all right, we have two beats we want. We want a roaster a rooster who thinks his crow raises the sun. And we want that not to happen. And so all his friends are like, boo, you lied to us. And then at the end, we want them to need him to crow. And that'll make the sun come up. And it's like, that's a lot of world building you have to do in those like hour, yeah, it hour is, and yeah. a half. It, no, it's actually an hour because that's, that's the thing. It, like this is a movie that is roughly like one hour, 10 minutes long. And also part of that 10 minutes is actually credits. The credits of this movie is 10 minutes long. Yeah. And it's all music from the Yeah, uh, there's a lot of musical numbers. Uh and it's just it's just You know it's a bad sign for your movie when your movie is like clocking even for an animated kids movie, your movie is clocking it under 100 it, it, under at, 100 ba- minutes. Ba- yeah. Without credits barely over an hour and you still can't tell a coherent story. Nope. Yeah. So, aside from the fact that there's also a very confusing Live action component. Yes, this that like, has barely any related well, into the totally a, a failed framing story that goes with it as well. Well, yeah. somebody had brought up who framed Roger Rabbit. That was actually the inspiration for that scene. Oh no! They oh. actually wanted to include some of the elements of the hey, let's have some real life kid inside of this. Oh, imagine if it was if hey. Bob Hoskins was in this movie too, and he was like Chanticleer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Bob, Bob Hoskins right. singing I'd, country music. I'd, oh, I'd absolutely 100% watch that movie. So we we have to just wait for part two and just, you know, resurrect Bob From Hoskins. the dead, yeah. There we go, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and like the Don Bluth wound up uh, directing all of the live action uh, stuff. They were going to have Victor French, but lung mm. cancer. Uh, and he was like, maybe I should rest. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you should. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, Don Bluth had never directed any live action before, and like even after he said that that was way harder than directing animation ever was, and he never wanted to do it again. <laughs> oh, and it shows. <laughs> it, 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 the, the live action portion was so jarring, and then where it goes and where it exists in the universe of this movie is very unclear. Yeah. It's essentially a complete alternate reality. Yes, but it's, yeah, also so this, like, it's also the movie's reality. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. Like, uh, have we, have we, we haven't even started in on my, we, what actually. We, ha- we yeah. haven't. I haven't even mentioned one word about the plot at this point. <laughs> let's start moving forward. Okay, sure. Well, let's start with this piece. We start off looking at a storybook, um, and we Always have the narration mm-hmm. that is the uh, narration of the dog character. Who uh, Does anyone remember what his name was? Because it was completely... Uh, uh, Pata, Patu? Pat, Patu? Patu. Patu. Um, funny enough, his narration was not actually originally included yeah. in the movie. Yeah, so yeah. That was like they, add, they had to add him in to make the movie make sense. And they didn't succeed. No, they nope. did not. Nope. They, they, they did like a... They Patu did... is a dog who cannot tie his shoes. A dog, a dog wearing shoes and pants. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got Not bunions. A shirt. He's got bunions. Yeah, but so. why? Why the the pants are never explained? <laughs> I mean, there's so a lot of. So you don't about... see his. <laughs> but he's, he's a... got he's but... got a massive one downstairs. Like there are some animals who are not clothed at all. Some who are like partially clothed, and some right, like there's a like magpie who has like a shirt vest like sort yeah, of dr- situation. Yeah. But, but then why? We... But then oh. we've got a lot of female chicks with um, very oh, degrees of exposure. We, we, we need to give that whole aspect of this movie its proper, like... Yeah, it will have its time. It will yeah, have its okay. time. All right, all right. We well, will right. say that, like, get, get on with the plot. Those, those arousing moments will come. So. I don't like that. Oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Hey, you brought us, the, you brought us like, the bird tit movie. <laughs> so pretty prepared to... I did. I didn't realize that in watching this movie, I would, I would become closer to Don Bluth than I ever wanted. Yeah, we, we, we know more about Don Bluth than we ever wanted to know. Mm-hmm. I can't look at chicken tenders the same way. Oh, for God's sake. Anyway, uh, Chanticleer is a rooster whose job is to wake up the sun every morning, but the Grand Duke of Owls, who hates sun t- sunshine, sabotages him to make it look like the sun comes up on its own without Chanticleer's crow. Did that actually... Did they I, ever okay, explain so that we, it didn't look... That he actually crowed, but it looked like he didn't crow? Because it looks like it just like, oh, yeah, the sun just rose. Right. So as I remember, the, he he didn't crow and the sun rose. Right. Right. They this sent is... a guy to, they sent a punk who looked kind of cool. Like, you yeah. know, character design he, was really He neat. was like a rooster with, with, he had like cockfighting, like, he did. razors he had... and everything. Yeah, yeah. spurs. Um, he was ready to kick butt. Yeah. And it's like. And he still lost the, fu- whatever. This is a uh, really convoluted way to start a movie. It is an incredibly convoluted way to start a movie because you're like establishing this theology, which you immediately break. Yes. Yep. Like he cr- he grows to raise the sun, except for the one day he doesn't. But somehow, like may have crowed, but did he crow? Now we don't know. Instead, <laughs> now we are in the land of eternal night. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So he 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 doesn't crow. The sun doesn't. The sun does rise, yes, and all so, the animals are like, hey, you this, lied to us. The sun rose. Really like, this guy's a. This guy's lied to us. He's uh-huh. not our friend. That's funny. It rose without you, Sean Declare. Isn't that neato? And then he leaves. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. detested by the farm animals as a result, Sean Declare has no choice, none whatsoever, nope. but to leave the farm and find work in the city because he got fired by his bird boss. <laughs> no, he just left. Yep. Publicly shamed. Well, that was his only job. Like, they didn't show him doing anything else on the 
farm. I mean, well, he like, showed him putting the moves on a few ladies. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, yeah, he had, given, given he the, had other opportunities. But I mean, he was he, just publicly shamed out of that. He was the cock of the walk. Yes. All right. Uh, we all quit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it will you to make that joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Afterwards, perpetual darkness and rainfall threaten the farm with flooding. Is it just the farm that's experiencing the like bird apocalypse? What? I mean, it's not happening in the city. Nope. What the, what? Oh, yeah. It isn't happening in the city. Yeah, what the hell no, is it's going only on in the this farm. movie. It Ugh. is only on like the magic farm, the animated farm, but also like the real life farm. Which we're about to learn about. But aren't they the same farm? Are they? <gasps> Wait till the end of the movie to find out. Spoiler alert, we don't find out. <laughs> Spoiler alert, none of it makes sense at yeah. the end. All of this turns out to be a story read to Edmund in 1959, Midwest Tennessee. It seems that the flooding was found has found his family. And when his mother goes to help them stop it, he calls out to Chanticleer and is heard by the Grand Duke himself who takes a dislike to Edmund's attempts to foil his plans. He turns this real-life boy into a kitten to properly devour him in a weird, like, hey, look, we're just going to do a transform of this kid. Yeah. Yep. Again. I don't know what is more grotesque. I mean, like, owls eating kittens happens all the time, but he's still a boy, still a child. I don't but that's also just like, ah, oh, I'm going to turn you into an animated character so that I can then eat you. Maybe he can't eat, like, living flesh. Maybe, can, can he not interact with, like, the real, the live-action world? Well, no, he can interact with the live-action world because he was able to go into it in the first place. Why does so he cast his magic? Why does he breathe? Why is it when he, like, he breathes his magic breath, it, like, shoots Lucky Charms out? I, there's <laughs> actually an answer for that. Oh, oh yeah. I, no, I, I mean, I saw the explanation for it, but that still doesn't... That, that, yeah, that, no, it's garbage. Okay. <laughs> it's what it is. That's so, good like, job. if you're watching... Is, is that the subtitle for the movie? It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Bad movie. Do not watch. <laughs> Rockadoodle, welcome God, to I Garbage will... Town. <laughs> as, gar as garbage as actual Tennessee. Um, oh, I'm the only one allowed to say that, uh, or at least not, at least I'm allowed to say that. Anyway, so yeah, so the reason that he uh, has like acid, smoky action breath with uh, Lucky Charms inside is because they thought. Like just actual poison breath without the like a solid color of poison breath would scare the children too much, and that putting magical shapes inside of it would be less scary. <laughs> but, the, but but like but like not the, completely nonsensical. But wall to wall duck titties, that's fine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I yeah, mean, he, he breathes his breath, and somebody goes hearts, scars, and rainbows, clovers, and blues. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also like an owl, but he doesn't look like an owl really. No, he looks like every Bluth bad guy ever, and he's and he's Christopher Plummer. It's very, it's very weird. It's very strange. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. And like he's got a little bit of that like queer coding villain too to him. Like he's very effeminate. <clears throat> he's a little fae. He's I, a little. I would just sit atop my rooster. I play my grand piano, and I would have a crew of strapping young owls that are color coded, like. Him and, him and him and his like his like nephew. Have, oh God, that's kind of like a hook and a shmee thing going on. Yeah. There. yeah. All right, so uh, he gets turned into a kitten, but is saved at the last second by Pata Pata Patu. I his name is dumb. I don't like his name. Pata it's a weird name. Well, but he's a dog and he kind of talks like this because yeah. he's the narrator. Patu, a bloodhound who struggles to learn how to tie the knots in his shoes. Why is this? A, oh God, why is this a plot at all? It makes no sense. 
because we need him to trip and stumble and not uh, be effective most of the I movie. I wonder if mm-hmm. it's part of the children's book or whatever that like this was supposed to be based on. Dog Maybe. with shoes. Got well, it. Because his Gold. name rhymes. Like it makes sense that this is part of the original story. Uh, yeah. Patu, the dog who cannot tie his shoes. Oh, you know. Uh, and it's like adaptation sickness or like oh we thought this was important or we wrote it in the first draft and we didn't think to take it out. Yeah. Because now it makes sense to us. So we are Sorry, also we are now also joined by two other Bluth staples, a bird and a mouse. In this <laughs> case, an irritating bird and an irritating mouse. Oh, the mouse. Yeah. She looks. She looks like a. She looks like one of um one of the like the, like the sisters from Rats of Nim. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. She just it looks like taken straight out of straight out of that. And also Snipes, who is the magpie, oh. God, with a terribly annoying voice. Yeah, one of the one of the most like unsympathetic. N- I feel like also that that very particular '90s nasal oh. character is yeah. Jerry Lewis. If he was a bird in this movie, Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, cracking yeah. bad jokes about women. Oh, that was a really good impression. <laughs> but yes. But no, Eddie Deason's been in like a ton of oh, stuff. Yeah. And, like the Polar Eddie Express, Deason. like Grease. I, I, Josh, I will always. Who is he in Grease? He is the Eugene. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. I will always remember him as the the nerdy friend from the Mr. Science Theater episode of Laser Blast. Nice. <laughs> oh boy. I'm sure that's how he wants to be remembered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Please remember me alive. for this and not Rockadoodle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Glavin, put me. In. Uh, Remember me from my role in Laser Blast. Well, you'll have to. Right, so he's introduced to these animals. He gives them some batteries for flashlights because the owls don't (laughs) like light. And then also a very tiny pig, like a very tiny pig who's not introduced or explained, but who I find yeah, it's like like a menagerie of all of these support characters. Very charming, nonetheless. They're thrown in, and then you're basically okay. Yeah, and and that's the thing. And they're like your B squad for or your C squad. But they're like the C squad that doesn't do shit. They're just they're 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 there as part of like the tension in this film of like the owls trying to get them. That's this movie has as much tension as a wet noodle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This is the entire thing. Like, oh no, we don't want to be eaten. It's like yes, these characters. We saw for a total of fifteen seconds. It's like right, these slightly irritating characters who we don't know anything about except that they're cute animals. Yeah, they're yeah. like I guess they're on the farm, but they're on the cartoon farm, not the real world farm. I I think one of the things I want to mention about these characters uh, was like some of the bluthism, like particularly with Snipes. Like I completely <laughs> hated him just because he'd be like, "Oh gosh, you can't expect a woman to do anything yeah. right." Like, oh uh... god. Like, yeah, just they like, just want to save the world, but these like broads are weighing them down. Like yeah. that's the vibe you get from this character. Yeah, and this yeah. movie in general. He's this pretty... movie is really like hateful towards it's, like women. It is misogynistic. <laughs> Opportunity, it's pretty. You mean uh, a movie about cocks doesn't? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, there are. There, yeah, and <laughs> there's nowhere for that joke to go. All of the, yeah, all of the, all the like women in the background or side characters are all just like busty, even though they're a literal chicken. Oh my god. Well, but not Peepers, who is merely there just to be smart maybe once or twice. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's one of the birds who's also wearing human clothing, but she's like Tweety Bird. She's just like a cartoon with a big head. One of the birds in the farm. And then the, next, the bird right next to her is just like... <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, this is... This movie is very. I mean, this is some, this thing. yeah. No, this bird has. Uh, this movie has it going for birds. Yes. Oh yeah, there was a lot of bird. There was a lot of bird action. Like, were going there on. even were any of the female animals not birds? Um, there was a mouse. Uh, when they're at the right. concert, like all, all, all the women in the background were all ducks, and they're also, of course, just like so maybe like all out there. 
so all these different types of birds are women in this film? Pretty much. And then then there's the mouse. Yeah. The mouse. Okay. I guess the like the mouse is like the, the one female yeah. character who's But now not, we know like... a lot about Don Fluth and what he does on the internet. Yeah, we're gonna have lots of... <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have lots of chicks in this movie. Because this was the early nineties. He was starting to fa- access those uh those he, early boards. Don, Bl- Don Bluth undercover on like the, the on like the news group Usenet group that became DeviantArt later. Oh. On. <laughs> By the way, uh, on a similar vein, uh, similar vein, there's like a this is beginning. Oh yeah, you do. Oh no, here it comes. No. There's the uh, there's the part at the very beginning where the uh, ki- where our little boy gets turned into the kitten, and he utters what he what he actually says is I'm all furry. Yep. But because he talks in kind of a little boy this, he goes, Oh no, I'm a furry. And that's it, how it happens. Yeah. Yep. When you when you pray for when you pray for Elvis Bird and like a and like Christopher Plummer shows up. <laughs> And he breathes lucky charms on you, furry. And boom, you become Next your persona. You know, yeah, you're, at, yep. you're, you're, you're in a fursuit. You're, uh, you're, you're going to con. You're, you're going wait. to cause. You're, you're, you're finding yourself in those late night room parties with... Uh, you're creating a small cottage yeah. industry. You wake mm-hmm. up with an OC. By the way, did you find someone for a reference seat, Martin? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um... Uh, let's see. So uh, the and intellectual. I thought, and I thought I was going places just talking about like duck titties in this movie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, and they go off hoping to find Sean Teclair and apologize to him for their behavior because this is like uh, this is like uh, like very much like brief little toaster in a way. Yeah, that, they couldn't just except, like except less death. They couldn't yeah. have just put out like a monster.com. They couldn't just, you know, go on, you know, send them a letter. This is before Craigslist and misconnections happened. So, or use a phone. Or, you know, hey, Chanticleer. Oh, no. Remember the phone got cut. Oh, that's right. Damn. There's no other phones between here and like, uh, and Nashville or Memphis. <laughs> but like, one, how would you know what number to call? And then two, would you be like, hi, do you, oh, I guess, do you know Sean Claire would work? Yeah, they have yep. operators back then. Yeah. yeah. So, Edmund accompanies. God damn, we can solve this movie. <laughs> there damn, we won this movie, guys. So Job Ed- well done. Edmund accompanies Patus, uh, Snipes, and Peepers to the city, which is Los Angeles. But it looks like Vegas slash, it's, it's kind of Memphis. Oh, it does have more of a Ve- Vegas-y vibe, yeah. but everyone there is like, it's kind of, or Vegas. it's also kind of the megalopolis from like, from like Akira. Yeah. A lot yeah. of like the, like the big giant. Like, if so. there was a bo- blobular like Chanticleer baby that pops out at the end of this movie. Like... That would be better. <laughs> better. If, this, if, this, if everyone in this movie also died in a like psychic nuclear apocalypse, then that would be a better movie. Yeah. So en route, they are attacked by Hutch, the the Duke's diminutive nephew, assigned <sighs> by him to stop Edmund and the others from finding Chanticleer, they narrowly escape and enter the city. I will give them props to being like the the bad guy henchman in this movie. And if one of his plans is just like, I have a knife, I'm gonna go get him. You know what? I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. even, if, even if he fails, he's like, oh, I can't get him with a knife. It's like, you know, he tried. But yeah, yeah, no, he did. Like, it wasn't like, oh, and I have this like absurd thing. He's like, I'm gonna. I just got, I got, yeah. I've got a Swiss Army knife. I'm going to go for him. Yeah. Yep, just yeah also, straight like, up this moment murder. where they're like, oh, yeah, they went into it. The adequate pipe. Yeah. The ed- like, but, yeah, the that's what oh, duck. And then the entire. This is like, just, yeah, this is where I think this was almost as aggravating as the Miak joke. Yeah. From, it, it, it was a really Ernest. drawn out season. And then the thing that was kind of infuriating for me was the, was, um, the, the magpie. Uh, what's the name? Um, 
the magpie whose name was Snipes. 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 Yeah, so Snipes. Wesley Snipes. So yeah. they're so they're in this toy box that's going down um that's going down the pipe, and then uh, Snipes is claustrophobic, so he just like starts knocking against the toy box, and all the water comes in. It's like ah, God, and basically drowning inside the toy box, which is just yeah. He acts like a woodpecker yeah. inside the which yeah, is ridiculous because I, I don't think magpies yeah. act like woodpeckers. Do they? But do, he was claustrophobic. They? That was why. He like, needed to get makes, out. It makes sense that like he would have some sort of like Breakdown. bad yeah, bad reaction to what was going on. It was just odd that he became Woody the Woodpecker for it. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. So they narrowly escape to enter the city. They find out that Chanticleer has risen to fame in the city thanks to manager Pinky Fox, employed by the Duke to keep the ro- rooster in the city. Yeah, does the Duke like run the city or is he... How does Who he... is he the Duke of? Who is he supposed is he I imagine yeah, what... he's supposed to be representing particular somebody that what... I'm not familiar with. What feudal lord does he answer to? <laughs> I think he's a maybe some uh, he's like a son of an oligarch. But was this this plan is like I'm gonna embarrass Chanticleer and then he's going to magically just go off and since I'm the Duke and I own this recording studio? <laughs> how does this like uh, the hotel just, or whatever that he's saying at? Like, like this is a very elaborate plan yeah, this is to yeah. bring Chanticleer's success. Well, I think he just had Pinky Fox on on payroll somehow, and just like, I got somebody. Oh, hey, you. I know a dude, and like this kid can sing, and if I get him somewhere else, then maybe that'll work. Mm-hmm. But like, why not just murder him? Like, yes. it's very clear that he has no compunction against murder and well, magic powers. Yeah. And you also have to think that if during this entire time he's trying to murder him, yet he still also owns the record label that keeps him. <laughs> Like, this is some weird, like, Nirvana-style, like, oh, there was an inside job. They decided to do it. Yeah. Well, who's to say that he might have not had access uh, to some kind of cloning technology Yes, yeah, Snipes point? the Woodpecker was the, it's like the, the, the Courtney love of this story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. So the next, the next point comes to, like, the most bizarre, like, disconnect as part of the movie. So there's a show that they're going to sneak into. And Chanticleer is singing it. Yes, so yeah. Chanticleer is singing it. But the Duke has already informed Pinky Fox that they are there and to look out for a dog, a, a cat, a bird, and a mouse. So he assigns a signs at the door for this that says, you know, that says that exact same thing: no cat, no dog, no mouse, no birds. And because most of the clientele are that, everyone dresses up in penguins' outfits. Penguins are birds. Penguin, why does this make sense? Penguins are birds. Josh, why are all of his, why all of his henchmen? Why are they battle toads? I was gonna say, yeah, not even just like any toad, but battle. No, they're, toads. They're, like, yeah. they're like portal battle toads. Mu- like they are shirtless and muscly battle toads because they could only get past level two. Yeah, like they needed work afterwards. Okay, that's fair. All right, <laughs> no one, no one never beat the game. <laughs> I've seen speedruns and went like, no, no, this is not a person. You no. are. This is a robot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All so, right. So we're introduced to Don Blue's wet dream, uh, Goldie Pheasant. So now. Which, by the way, like. She the, just looks like a human woman with a beak. Yeah, it's super creepy. It's super creepy. And she has all like big hair, feathers, stuff. And it's like, okay, so like pheasants are sexually dimorphous, but the females don't show that. And so, like, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't bother anyone else as much as it bothered me. I like. I was just bothered by the fact that, like, she's just like a. She's just like a weird. She's the most Howard the Duck out of any of the characters of these. Just like, it's just a weird human with like human eyes, but then just like imagine this one wearing like a fake beak. It's 
Oh, it's so it's, weird. It's very unsettling. So following mm-hmm. this, at a show featuring an Elvis theme, uh, Elvis type theme, which sounds like most of his music. So at a show, he kind of looks like Johnny Bravo almost. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Uh, he's introduced to Goldie Pheasant. As a distraction in case Chanticleer's friends come to find him, Goldie soon grows genuinely attracted to Chanticleer. Of course she does. And realizes Pinky's true intentions when he captures Edmund and the others trying to get a letter to Chanticleer. Isn't this also the plot of Sonic, that Sonic cartoon too? I mean, oh God, go distract no. Sonic and then no, she falls in love with him. I mean, everything is ultimately comes back to Sonic. Yeah, we are so, all yeah. Sonic, ultimately. You you only choose which of the fandoms. Max is slowly deflating, <laughs> <laughs> trying to sink through the floor. I want to die. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Duke and his party stalk the farm animals at Edmund's house, who continuously use a flashlight to drive them off as long as the batteries hold out. Realizing that she is in love with him, Goldie confesses to Chanticleer that his <laughs> friends had come to see him, and Pinky blackmails Chanticleer to attend his show, or he never sees his friends again. Which is kind of you say that like this is a cliffhanger, but there's more movie <laughs> after this, unfortunately. Yeah, Chanticleer going. goes on with the show. Hutch inadvertently frees Edmund and the others, and they help Chanticleer and Goldie make a grand escape in a helicopter, foiling Pinky's plans and destroying his Cadillac at the same time. They return to the farm. Okay, can, can we just talk about that helicopter for a minute? Go. I mean, do it. That helicopter essentially looks like a giant flying dildo that is just full of it, roosters. It's full of roosters. Full so it's of, like, yeah. it's just, we'll leave it at that. It, it's questionable design <laughs> choice among many questionable design choices. Of this this is John. Yeah, this is Don Bluth. Just like get like just you know having real having a real normal one in the animation studio and everyone wonders why a furry fandom busted out in the but they, 90s but like no one noticed this movie i think it's because it was too sexualized like no we can't like there's no there's no there's no cha- there's no like question here it's just like out there in your face too, too... yeah i can't believe that like my parents let me watch this although yes i can because they never really cared what like they were yeah. like oh you're smart or whatever you'll figure this out you you know how to book well, you, I yeah. mean, you said your your father like he reading Heinlein stuff like way before you. Oh should. yeah, no, yeah. like when I was eight or nine. Like nobody should be introduced to libertarianism that early. Good God, <laughs> no, or, like, disgusting. Nobody should be introduced to libertarianism in general. But you know that's Heinlein, another discussion. Heinlein's very weird ideas about like gender and sexuality. Oh God, yeah. <sighs> just another just another cool guy writing cool stories that totally that hold don't up. ever never even ever once involve incest. No, never, never no. get weird. No. Never no. ever get weird. Always normal. Mm-hmm. Much like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, wholesome family movie. Back at the farm, after their fa- batteries run out, the dis- the citizens of the farm are nearly made a meal by the duke and his minions when they are driven off by the helicopter's spotlight. <laughs> Chanticleer confronts the Duke, but realizes he has forgotten how to crow. Why? Duke taunts him and tries to drown him, but Edmund refuses to leave hope, or to lose hope, and starts chanting Chanticleer's name in a hopes to revive his spirit. The Duke grows tired of this and magically strangles Edmund to his loss of consciousness. Patu starts to chant Chanticleer's name, followed by everyone else. And the Duke transforms himself into a massive, violent tornado to silence them. Chanticleer finally remembers how to crow, 
because that's what you can do now, I guess, and begins to sing for the sun to emerge. His cries are heard, and the sun rises, driving the duke's minions away and shrinking him to a very minuscule size. I don't like how you accented that. <laughs> Just like as if you're taking constructive criticism, please stop. <laughs> no. Shrunk <laughs> him down to a very Wait. minuscule size. <laughs> Hutch barely recognizes his uncle, but uses it this to exact revenge by chasing him with a fly swatter. There, if you're gonna... honestly, this is the best part of the movie. I guess I, but I, I was pretty checked out by like the th- the three quarter mark. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I was excited to watch this movie, and I was checked out by the half mark. <laughs> like I, yeah, it was. For me, it was adequate pipe. I was like, all right, it's went down the tubes. Yep. Oh, like, I see what you've done like there. This, God. I mean, it's like in the, in the Simpsons and Homer's brain. It's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then, like, you hear yeah. like, no, like, st- like walking noises and then a door opening and closing in his head. I, I did the equivalent of the walk back into the bushes. Yes. Just, hey, yeah. I mean, for me, it was that first song. I mean, we were just going to roost at that point. Yep. Uh, Edmund transforms back into his human form in front of the others who realized he was telling the truth about being a little boy. Right, like one of the subplots in this movie is that he's like, I'm not a cat, I'm a boy, and that nobody believes him. And they're like, bullshit, kid. Why? What interest, whatever, fine. As Peepers tries to wake him, he does so in his room with his mother watching over him after an accident where a tree collapsed in his room. (gasps) Which didn't really make sense. It looked more to me like he just like had a fever. I didn't yeah, see the tree I, collapse. And, yeah, yeah, it's there's... weird. Like, and the first and last part of this part were supposed to be uh, filmed in black and white, sort of like Wizard of Oz, and I'm glad they didn't, so that you don't have to ruin that good movie with this bad association. <laughs> Meanwhile, the sun is shining outside and the floods have ended, but his family does not believe him about his adventures, and he's told to get rest. He then picks up Chanticleer's book, and thanks him for coming back before he's magically transported back into Chanticleer's world, where he witnesses the rooster singing to make the sun shine. <sighs> he's a little boy in some bad, like, 3D stuff of, like, hey, here's, like, this washed-out kid amongst a whole bunch of colorful animation. Check that out. Yeah, that was... that was. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. There was some rough mat- matting work there. <laughs> It's yeah. almost like they ran out of money. They, they used up all of their money on girls. It's and- almost, yes. It, it's <laughs> like when we got to little boy, like, well, just. Oh, we used all the money on bird titties. It's almost as if the Irish animator is like, oh, it's a movie short. Let's go to the pub. Or whatever it is Irish people do. I don't know. No, they do go to the pub. Go kissing every morning. Just go kiss the Blarney Stone. Just kiss the Blarney Stone. Take a Guinness and just is go, man. Yeah. What even accent was <laughs> you guys, that? Wow, you were like you some sort of Irish Jamaican. Yeah, okay. I don't. Hey, man, let's go keep the Blarney Stone. Go I'm have ourselves I'm some. in Ireland right now. <laughs> this bad. God, hey, man, let's God, go. God, this. Yo, you, yo, man, you like yourself some Jameson, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's not forget about I like the, the, I like the German the Jamaican Guinness, that's yeah. going through there. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Uh, anyway, this movie was re- like this movie was really bad. I it was just terrible. It wasn't like even it. fun. Bad. No, no it was, it was like 
bad. Just bad. I and we're saying anyone listening to this is like, but I remember this movie. I like it in this movie. I'll go watch it. Like, no. Nah, Don't no, just remember just, it fondly. Yeah. Just yeah. remember that's it, from my advice from me to you, from my heart to yours. I mean, unless unless you're in it for the bird tits, but you know. Like, yeah, I guess if that's your thing. But then there's like a lot of free stuff out there, as I understand. <laughs> and you probably can, a better quality. Yeah, there's yeah, some, there's some websites you can go to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah. any recommendations, Josh? Have you ever been to a fur affinity? There's also a deviant art. Uh, this uh, I, the fact that like the, again this movie is like that's just such a like I really want to say like why uh, this movie is overall like very sexualized and it's really weird like where did that come from yeah there's a lot of like bird kissing that's like a little weird I, I mean, don't like it on the term of like m- animated movies that are sexualized like y- you go from n- what see what would be the least sexualized like animated movie The Hobbit okay so The <laughs> Hobbit <laughs> All the way up to Cool World, which we can all agree is the most sexualized <laughs> animated movie. This is up oh, wait, was, I missed Cool World. Is that more sexualized than Wizards? I don't think. Have we ever actually Ooh, done Cool World? Mm, Wizards is pretty up Wizards there. is up there, but Cool World is all about boning. I would, I would put this movie in the top, like, top 20% of, like, porniest animated movies. <laughs> It, this I, this would be like a uh, a it. cracked article. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely top, top twenty um, uh, animated children's movies to get you hard. You didn't, you didn't know we're super pervy. <laughs> we rewatched these in, as adults and felt very awkward. Yeah, it was. We were, it's, it's we really, watched these again with our parents. It's really weird. It's such a, it's Mom, such a, can you tell me about why you bought this movie? <laughs> It's, it's such a rogue element in this movie, too, because it doesn't really contribute to any part of the plot. It's just kind of there. It's just there. It's just it like, yeah. It's just like, is, oh, yeah, yeah of course the women in this movie in Hollywood have to be, like, sexualized, because that's the only role that... W- I don't know. And, yeah, and of course, they're, they're totally meek and, you know, <sighs> bad, poorly developed characters. This- and what's weird is that you look back at, like, the, the animations before, like, Nim has nothing yeah, like this. Is nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And then, like... So you see, I think a little bit of this type come in with um, Anne Marie's like adoptive mother, mm. and all dogs gonna have. And you see that blonde hair, blue eyes, yeah, like, a little bit that diaphanous fabric thing that he has a real big what's for. And then like you look at like dragons, dragons lair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the the damsel that you have to rescue in there is that like blonde hair, blue eyes, diaphanous fabric, very soft voice. Um, and then like hips. And then here it is in bird form, which is super weird. It's super, super. <laughs> and then, like, if you go to Thumbelina, then you also get this sort of weird thing happening again with so, the main character. So that's my question. When and also to, a frog. Is, when we get to like troll, it, it, like I, I, my guess is then, then like Troll in Central Park is the first like NC seventeen rated Don Bluth movie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that one all the way through because even as like a young, like as a fourteen or sixteen year old or whatever, however old. I was when that movie came out. I think my nieces and nephews were of an age to watch it. And I was like, we will not. <laughs> no, I respect you more than this. I'm, yeah, like, when you. I, think I saw when, it on, like, Disney Channel reruns or something like that. God. I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh. It moved that, yeah, it's just full, full frontal nudity. Like, that troll is hard the entire movie. Yeah. And they show it. Man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. The troll in Central Park has a heart. You know, that was before they cleaned up New York. <laughs> Well, I mean, New York was really in the gutter this at that like time. Pre, I like, this is one of the, things. <laughs> the pre-show is just like the theater after theater after theater on like the, like the Times Square. This is like an, this is like in uh, Death Wish. This is one of the things that drives Charles Bronson over the top. It's like New York is, it, he has to clean up New York because there's all these there's all these horny there's trolls everywhere. <laughs> 
no, you I gotta clip I gotta clip New York and take care of these trolls. All of a sudden Goliath's there for some reason. He's like, No, get out of here. We're not doing gargles today. Yeah, yeah. So ooh, that is my new headcanon. Oh, you gotta see a bunch of trolls and like trench coats going into like skeezy little theaters. Oh Jesus Christ. Times Square. Someone oh. someone listening, please Photoshop this. Please don't. Save yourself from that. We love you. No. If you do Photoshop it, send it all to Eric. Post it, yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead. Send it to me. Tweet, tweet, it. <laughs> tweet it. I'll take a look at it. <laughs> so, I'll take yeah, a very this... thoughtful look at it, says so Eric. This, so this movie is weird and it was uncomfortable and was like, what? What did I just watch? I, I legit went through it and like, this movie just like slid out of my brain instantly. Yeah, it's a weird case in which like you have some very archetypal characters, but like, I don't feel like the movie likes anybody in it. <laughs> The movie doesn't like its own characters. Yeah. Like, that's like, because you don't know anything about Chanticleer except for that, like, he got embarrassed because the sun rose one time without him or whatever. And then, then he's, he's just so self centered after that. Shaped like a triangle with a pompadour. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so <laughs> many like characters. Yeah. yeah. There's so many characters. We go through them so quickly. Like, you know, the Duke is constantly there, but the more, like, constant threat is his nephew. Like, or his like henchmen who do have names, but you don't ever hear them. Right, yeah. his battle kind of, toads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's battle toads. Like if you think about it, like a far more focused movie was Nim, and you, when you think about Nim, it was you were just with Mrs. Bigsby constantly. Like, Brisby, mm-hmm. Brisby. Sorry, uh, you were constantly with Mrs. Brisby. Just Mrs. Bigsby. Yeah. Whatever, I've had a beer. I'm fine. Um, and you know, or we'll get a, a yellow Red Bull in him soon. Yeah, I yeah. haven't had any caffeine. I'm bad. Um, but the um, but you were constantly following her, and and like it, how the characters related to her, yeah. and how they like helped or hurt her struggle, and like how they adjusted how she was moving through the world, and like that doesn't happen here. You go on a search for somebody who just turns out to be like incredibly self centered and pitiful. You know, like there's nothing about Chanticleer that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's somebody I'd like to have in my life. Like it's not a hero. Um, yeah, it's super weird. Not likable. Yeah, I mean, not. He's, just, he's as a character, he's just thrown out of the of the community he's a part of, and then he goes on to this career, and then is essentially ostracized from everybody. And right, like, nobody this, loves him. Yeah, his no manager like, is like manipulating him. His, the girl that he thinks like that he's absolutely head over heels for is there because she was given money. And his so-called friends are not really friends, but are just bringing him back in order to perform basically the function that he need to, to save yeah, their like farm. The sun is like the sun wizard, basically. Yeah, essentially. And so there's just you don't feel stakes for him. You don't feel like he's a developed character. He's just kind of a plot piece, basically. I can, now I can see for like kids, maybe like if kids are not really watching this super hard, I could see like oh, it's, you know, there's songs and there's characters doing wacky things. But like, I don't know. I I, I respect kids too much to like, yeah, go ahead and watch this, whatever. I don't know. I, I think most I, I you know, parents will like, you look you look for something to get your kids to check out for a little bit, but show them something better than this. This is not worth it. No, no. Yeah, at like all. kids kids learn from what they watch. Like, yeah, don't. this is bad, bad messages for kids. Yeah. yeah, especially young boys. You know, that was a different ca- uh, magazine. I didn't. I didn't get bad messages for kids. I got the. <laughs> I got the other bad messages oh, for kids quarterly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, all right. I think that that takes care of us for uh, Rockadoodle. For Rockadoodle. Yeah. Ugh. Rocking pretty, out, man. Pretty universal thumbs down on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even like. I'm not in, uh, I don't super like hate watching stuff because I don't want to be like that. 
but like this isn't even fun to hate watch it's mostly just boring and sort of like vaguely uncomfortable yeah and i, I mean there's like there's hate watching and there's also like watching something you know is bad but it's it's interesting the things that are it is interesting in that what is bad about it right or that like oh they tried really hard to do this thing and yeah. that wasn't the thing that we should have ever as humans have done but like people put real work into this and i want to see that or like you know, like there's just, but there's nothing here. Yeah, like there's no like grand thesis that we're missing out on. Like there's, I don't think there's really like a story here that was not served. Like it was like, oh, we have this jumbled set of ideas and we mishmash them together, and well now we have a movie and it doesn't make sense enough, and we have to add, add narration to it. Like, yeah, think that yeah, they, they had to zardoz it. It's just like yeah, it's it's so it's not it never gets so bad that it's good. It's just it's yeah, just it's like just bad. unenjoyable. Yeah. I it's really boring, and that was the like the biggest problem with it. Yeah, it's just not a compelling story. There's no stakes. You don't really see any payoff for development of characters. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Rockadoodle. Next episode, I believe we're going to go on the greatest adventure. The, yes, the most, the most, the most classic of fantasy adventures. We're going to also have a cast of characters that we mostly don't care about. Well, yeah, we'll get, we'll we'll discuss the the superfluous dwarves in this movie. And the this movie being. The Hobbit. The, Hobbit, the yeah. 1977 Rankin Bass. Praise be upon him. Yeah, going from going from one classic animator to the next. Yeah. No, I mean like, well, but then this another another animator who has some has had some serious like an animation studio, I should say, with some seriously good work under its belt, and they have some not so good stuff. Yep. So uh that'll be next episode, so you can catch that next Saturday. Uh Patreon friends. I was able to pull up the list ah. while we were waiting. <laughs> Venetian item crafting, Rodea, Francis, Dan, and Chuck. Thank you very, very much for Charlie donating. Brown giving us uh, money on Patreon. Yay, Chuck. He gave us his rock. And that will be over at Sat Friends Club uh, over on Patreon. So just look for the Saturday Friends Club there, patreon.com slash Club. We're on Twitter at satfriendsclub.com. You can see when the episodes go up over there. Uh, Sat Friends Club is the webpage where all of this is posted as said, next episode is The Hobbit. We will take a grand adventure. There will be rings and dwarves and lots of weird politicking. <laughs> and small. And cat dragons. Yes. God, dragon. Uh, so we'll catch you next time for more Saturday Friends fun. Till then, sleep well, everyone. <laughs>